0: Welcome to That's a Wrap, episode number 39. Welcome to That's a Wrap, episode 39. Uh, this is the podcast where film scholars talk about films but not in a stuffy way. Uh, I'm Eric Marshall.
1: And I'm Nick Schlegel.
0: And our uh, regular co-host, Chris Gullen, cannot be with us today, so it's just going to be the two of us. And uh, me and Nick, and we're going to talk about uh, the movie Ex Machina today, as well as do an uh, in, in-memoriam on Wes Craven, who passed away last month, or earlier yes. this month. It's, it's it September, as we speak. So. uh so, but, you know, before we do that, we usually have our traditional pickup section, which is our kind of catching up with each other. So, what's going on, Nick? What's up with you?
1: Well, lately, um, you know, and apart from just the usual stuff that we are, that, you know, regular listeners would, would, um, you know, understand and appreciate, which is mm-hmm. just job and work and stuff like that, been hosting a, a series of movie nights down downtown Detroit at, um, at my friend's bar upstairs, where they have a sort of large banquet room, and in there we've been screening some some films and Eric, in fact, you accompanied me to the inaugural event, which was earlier in september uh and the the uh The idea behind it really is just to sort of like def- try and define loosely a a new cult canon, and that's sort of the thematic that runs through it um, Cult movies uh, have been written about. You know, essentially, mostly by Danny Perry in his in his cult movies one, two, and three, um, and that that canon from the silent era up to around nineteen eighty ish has been pretty well documented. But there hasn't been a lot um, written about the last thirty years. And so my thought was, why not try and uh, devote. A series to, to screenings, uh, mostly double features of what, what I consider to be, and others, uh, the new cult canon, and we opened up with Catherine Bigelow's 1991 um, cult classic, uh, Point Break, which I'm a huge fan of, and it went over well, it was well, well attended, and everybody had a good time, and then last week was our second one, and we did a uh, double feature of... Um, Take Me Home Tonight, a really kind of marginalized and underappreciated comedy that takes place in the 80s. But it was shot a couple of years ago. Really, really hilarious movie, and uh, the very first film that we talked about on that's a wrap, which is um, the perks of being a wallflower, and those two paired beautifully, like a like a fine you know uh, porterhouse with a nice merlot or cab or something. They, just, <laughs> they went really, really well together, and uh, that was a lot of fun too. And of course, I had the added benefit of the first night of having Eric uh, critically reevaluate how he felt about Point Break.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it was uh it was good because I I hadn't seen the film since uh since I watched it on VHS at my parents' house where I th- probably lived at the time, maybe. Uh so I haven't seen it in years and I was I wasn't terribly impressed with it um from my memory of it, you know, as a early 20s, 21 maybe year old young man. Uh, You know, I've never been that impressed with, with Keanu Reeves as an actor, as you know. And I, I just remember thinking like, oh yeah, I remember something about surfing and something about, I don't know, you know, uh, but no, I rewatching it. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And I really appreciated it. Um, and, um, I will be honest, I'm actually coming around on Keanu Reeves lately. Uh I, I watched John Wick the other day.
1: Oh, I really like that.
0: I really enjoyed it too. I mean it was so incredibly mindless in yes, so no, many ways. And uh it was it was refreshing. In that way, you know. Yeah. You really have to get into it, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the guy that usually complains about these types of movies, but I was just like, yeah, this is just, this is really just pure, you know, entertainment. But at any rate, um, no, I enjoyed it. You know, the the the, the cinematography in, in Point Break is is really <laughs> quite quite amazing and um the foot chase uh that they do car slash foot chase uh towards the uh middle of the of the film yeah. and uh that skydiving scene oh. i was i really I, I mean i came around 180 on uh, on point break and you know uh, i don't know what the appropriate degrees. I don't know, I'm not good at math, but a little bit on Keanu Reeves as well. <laughs> let's just say, let's put it that way. Oh, but, that's um, yeah. You know, I
1: can, I can try and preach, but I, I think I won't convert many, mm. but in your case, you know, I think you just really appreciated, not that I'm putting words in your mouth, but Bigelow's aesthetic is what really drives point break. It's just, it's just a, it's just a sumptuous feast, you know, for the eyes. And, um, as far in terms of point break and as far as Keanu is concerned uh yeah he's just you know he won't go away I mean Keanu you know I I adore him but my argument to others is like he's there he's still one of the leading uh money earners and and particularly at his he's 51 now and um you know he's learned his craft I mean he's not a, a, the greatest thespian in the world but then again who is you know and and uh he seems to um just deliver frequently and consistently in fact um My friend Jim, who was just at the the, uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower and Take Me Home Tonight double feature, said that statistically, next to Morgan Freeman, he has like, you know, in terms of batting average, he is the highest rated actor in terms of like hits to misses. Okay. uh, And and the amount of movies that he's made. So like next to Morgan Freeman, he is in the most like, the actor most consistently in, you know... uh, major money earners as opposed to flops.
0: <laughs> Have they ever been in a movie together? Probably. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> it,
1: you know? uh, I don't doubt it. And uh, um, and then just a shout out that uh, next week we're doing uh, a consecutive three weeks in a row for October nothing but horror movies. And next week, uh, I, I even sent out a, a message today to all my current students and former students that Roger Corman's... Uh, we 're doing a double feature of the pit and the pendulum and mask of the red death that uh, they really need to be there for that mm. um, because it's you know that's that 's a person they need to to know about particularly if they 're filmmakers i mean that 's that 's a man uh, roger corman 's uh directly responsible for so much for for uh, uh, yeah. in in some ways you know really kind of changing uh the dynamic in Hollywood and training and cultivating and amassing pools of talent that would later on run Hollywood. So yeah. uh, I really want as many people to come to that as possible. Plus they, these are these are pretty phenomenal looking HD transfers. So,
0: Great, great. Yeah, so I'll, that's uh, I'll most likely be there
1: uh, for that. Great, Tuesday, great, so. great, great. That'll be a fun one, man. Those are so good. Have yeah. you seen either yeah. of them? Nope. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I think they're just phenomenal, you know.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll almost definitely be there. Yeah, it was, it was fun at Point Break too because you did a nice little prologue to it, and you know, had a discussion downstairs over beers for uh, you know afterwards, and yeah, it was nice. It was it was cool. So if yeah, any Detroiters or anybody in the area should uh, should check that out. I know you have a Facebook page for it too, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. So. Which I can share on, on our uh, that's wrap homepage too. So. There
0: you go. Sounds great. Sounds cool.
1: What have you been up to, my friend?
0: Oh man, you know, um, no, you know, it's the beginning of the semester stuff. Just you know, kind of getting in the swing of things. Uh, it's been it's been nice because I have my my mornings and afternoons to myself now, mostly. So I get to uh, you know do some writing, uh, doing a lot of writing lately. You know, living the living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that's new, and I hope we talk about this on a future podcast, is um, on yours. I think it was yours. I don't know whose suggestion it was now, but I started watching Mr. Robot. Uh, that was
1: uh, I brought it up when you and I and Rob had drinks when we saw Cheap Trick and.
0: That's right. We saw cheap trick uh, uh, several weeks ago, and you mentioned that. Yes, yeah, so I have watched the first uh, three episodes, but I got to tell you, you know, I'm trying to watch it uh, legit. You know, like on the, you know, like trying to be cool about it and watch it on USA's USA Network's uh, streaming service on their website. Same here. And, you know, I got to tell you for for a show about hackers and hacking, like mm-hmm. USA is begging us to torrent this thing.
1: It's abysmal. It's
0: abysmal. (laughs) Their streaming service. It's like it's it's. You have to have Flash. I mean, who uses Flash anymore? And it doesn't work with my with Chrome. Chrome. I had to like download the beta version of Chrome, and like I'm trying to Chromecast it, and I can't Chromecast it. And then like there are ads, but I can even I can deal with the ads if I can just get to the thing. It is awful, man. Like they are what
1: it's me like. 20 different tries just to find the actual page where the episode would stream from. Yeah, and then, yeah. Yes, it wouldn't even stream. And yeah. eventually you got it to work. But it was like, I mean, who has that time, type of energy to invest or time into just playing something that should just load yeah. uh, like it does on all the other websites on, on HBO Go or uh, Encore or even Turner Classic Movies, you know, mm. whatever 50 or so ha- they have streaming. Um, from you you just just, just press the button and it goes. Yeah, Uh, say was. And I gotta be honest with you, that's one of the reasons I stopped, uh, kind of stalled after about five episodes. Was I just kind of got fed up, and my computer would get so hot too. Uh, Oh, yeah, really hot.
0: I, I gave, I mean, I didn't give up, but I stalled as well after three. It's an amazing show,
1: yeah. I'm really digging.
0: I don't know how how much you know about this stuff, but the hacking in it, like the terminology and the stuff they show on screen, is, as far right. as I can tell, remarkably accurate. Good. Like uh, in an unprecedented way. Like I have never seen a show that that feels so so real in terms of the hacking that they're doing. You know, um, I mean, it's not perfect, but it's I am. I'm really impressed with the show, and I hope we get to talk about it someday. Because I mean, today when we talk about Ex Machina, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and stuff, and Mr. Robot would actually fit into that. um, From what I know so far, I've only watched three episodes, but
1: um, I'm really enjoying it. And um, somebody mentioned at the uh, that. on Facebook uh I don't know, a month ago or something when it wrapped up, they're like there's a, there's a hell of a good monologue coming from Christian, Sl- mm. <laughs> Christian Slater at some mm. point. So I'm okay. like I wanna to get to that. It's apparently about, you know, the failure of our democracy now. So I you know, I'm I'd like to get to that very much. And of course yeah. you it's always there's this irony or or irony is not really the right word. I would say this sort of like um um hypocrisy really when when we watch stuff like say fight club or we watch mr robot films that are supposed to be sort of like manifestos for change and every two seconds they're being interrupted with you know use this use use the new gillette mach 3 and use this toilet paper and it's like the rampant consumerism and it's like how you know advertising has killed the internet for me Mm -hmm. when i look into anything something even as simple as facebook I get the beach ball of death on my Mac for like thirty seconds while the freaking ads load in the right hand side. It takes (laughs) that long for the ads to load. I I can't even like. I'm paralyzed with with even. I have no actions I can do until that ball stops spinning and Viagra comes up. You know, and it's
0: like
1: (laughs) the internet is just. I'm all for you know commerce, but like it's 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 actually killed the internet. I think it has. I think advertising has actually killed the internet.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, not yeah, but it's close. Not yet. I but think. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, yeah. I'm being
1: a little hyperbolic, but, but yeah. like that's only because I go nuts just waiting for pages to load, and it's yeah. not thing on the page other than advertising. So,
0: I think uh, yeah, I think also like maybe the maybe part of the problem is like yeah, you know, Adobe Flash is known for being uh, having vulnerabilities, you know, which is interesting again about a show about. <laughs> about hacking, um, but also you know, maybe the problem is that USA Network, to my knowledge, has never had a hit <laughs> that that people wanted to download or watch. You know, so they're, they're probably like, "What? What's going on? <laughs>
1: How do we?" Yeah, they're it's, like. The, the IT people are
0: like, The IT guy. You know, the IT guy, right. The IT guy, like they make
1: fun of in the first episode, I think. The IT it's guy's like, down there with a newspaper and a big belly. Yeah, and exactly. And like eating a sandwich, you know, and then like... like, people, are like
0: bron, 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 bron. people are coming to the website, do something. One desktop computer next to him, you know.
1: Yeah, and they're like the the server's crashing. People are streaming this and he's like, "Oh." it's like got Windows 95 or something.
0: You're right. He's got Windows 95 on it. So anyway, uh that's what's going on with me, I guess. Well, I'm glad to hear about the writing. Oh, that's hilarious. That, yeah, that's- no, I've been yeah. Um I've been experimenting with uh voice recognition with uh dictation software. I've been using um dragon to do some of my writing and it's a lot faster actually really and it's been and I, and i find myself as i'm writing some I'm, I'm revamping the memoir quite a bit actually and um i find myself i think saying things into the mic that i might not have written maybe because wow. i wouldn't have thought of them or maybe this the stream of consciousness is different but it's very interesting it's a very interesting thing and it stays my hands a little bit you know because i do type a lot and it's been i've had to train the dictation software but it's been an interesting experiment so far
1: excellent well yeah because I know you've got um, you've set internal um, you know markers for exactly where you want to be at certain points of the year Yeah. so obviously I'm fully supportive of that and hope that you reach them
0: yeah, thanks. i have mean, already. Uh, well, yeah, I've had to readjust them. Let's put it that way. Well, that's,
1: just to have the goals is the important thing Yeah, you know? yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Work it, which you obviously have. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I did take some time a couple mornings ago or several mornings ago now to watch Ex Machina, and maybe we should go into that. You want to? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, so let's uh, move on to segment one. Welcome to segment one of episode number 39. We are talking about Ex Machina. I am pretty sure that's how you pronounce it.
1: It's always, yeah, I mean, kind of with a little... Imaginary accent on the a, right? Like ex yeah. machina. <laughs> I guess that's like that's how I usually say it. Ex machina. That,
0: yeah, so, same here. And, and we all know the uh, the term from Deus ex machina, which is uh, God in the machine, which is the kind of that that literary or narrative device where, you know, that everyone complains about, where at the very end of the of the book or the movie something happens that like you know, like it's like God comes down and saves the protagonist, you know, is is kind of the literal meaning of it, I guess. But um or something outside of the narrative comes and, and solves the problem. Right. Um but this is ex machina, which I guess would mean literally from the machine, which is very appropriate. Yes. To this movie, uh, so I think what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk about the movie in depth today, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna remain spoiler free for uh, for for a good portion of it. I think um, yes. we are definitely going to talk about the end, and if you haven't seen the movie, you're you're safe for now. But you, you will want to see it before you hear us talk about the end because the end is is pretty uh, it's pretty powerful. Um. Does that sound fair? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll give him a little, we'll give him a warning when spoilers are
0: coming. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We'll let you know. Um. So, I, the I'm gonna I'm gonna start the the movie was uh I I had been looking forward to it. I wanted to see it in the theater, and I, I didn't get around to it. Um, which is you know a, a story I tell a lot. Oh, I didn't see it in the theater, but um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And, and it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be in, in the best possible way. Uh, oh. the way. The way the movie's been framed, I think for me, and maybe you maybe you can, uh, you can weigh in on this and, and see if you, you felt the same way. I felt it was you know about a couple guys who create a robot, a female, a sexy female robot. Like for sex or <laughs> for companionship or something. That was, I, I felt like that was the way it was advertised or, and talked about. It and maybe the weird, it's just weird me. Science aspect of it. The what? I'm sorry. The weird science. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like a weird science sort of vibe. I didn't. I never thought about that. Yeah. Yes, like weird science. Um, and that's 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 what I thought. The the kind of main thrust of the of the movie was going to be. And I'm okay with that, you know, but, but it's not that, uh, I'm not gonna say it's not that at all, but it's it's really not that, you know? Um, and I was really refreshed to find that it wasn't, did you have the same, uh, uh, preconception?
1: A little bit, not, not quite that far. Um, I think, I mean, I'd seen the trailer and I'd read a couple of blurbs about it and was on my list. Um, and then of course, uh, it was, I watched it with Don, uh, because he thought very highly of it, but frankly, I wasn't sure what to what to expect. Other than I knew that it was it had gotten, um, you know, strong strong reviews. Uh, but I didn't actually. That's the thing is I didn't really read the reviews. I kind of just glanced at them, like you'll, uh, you know, you come across it, you read a paragraph, and then you just leave it, you know, because they're about to get into things, uh, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. might bias you one way or the other. So. Um, uh, no, not quite, but a little bit, yeah, I mean i certainly i, I didn 't get what i was what I thought I was going to get, so we' we 're in total agreement there, that 's for sure yeah it was it turned out to be far more substantive than i I would have ever thought, it, with the exception of the fact that friends had been really talking positively about it
0: right right, yeah, I heard uh, almost nothing but good about the film before before seeing it, uh, which is which is something for sure, uh stylistically it's very very interesting uh stylistically it's it's um it's pretty sparse i guess in a lot of it uh they're, i mean there're only really what f- four actors right yeah uh, that's
1: four yeah that's really i mean we can just toss away everybody from the intro and then after that it's it's four people oh yeah. well
0: well two two people, <laughs> two people uh and two uh, robots, androids, right. robots. I guess. Um, so yeah, so it's it's you know there's kind of it's it's, it's sparse in that in that sense. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting to look at. The cinematography is very very uh, is very interesting. Um, in a, in a lot of ways, I think it, it, in the acting i i was i was pretty impressed with the with the acting as well especially of oscar isaac oh boy yeah. um it, it, he the only thing i had seen him in was uh that um that cohen brothers movie the um inside lewin davis okay and he, he's he's an asshole in in inside lewin davis and he's a he's a real asshole in ex machina but it, it's an asshole in different ways you know in in ex machina he's he's i, I want to go into his um personality in the film quite a bit but like, I, I just you know he's just this kind of cocky alpha male mm. um you know know it all rich jerk right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and inside lewin davis he's this folk singer who just like, is completely narcissistic and doesn't really just doesn't care about other people you know which is different right. he's not like a megalomaniac <laughs> like he is in this movie uh to an extent at least anyway uh, I, uh you go ahead I yeah actually
1: that that Oscar Isaac for me believe it or not was the strong uh, the strongest performance in the film uh and not to say that I think Ava is the is the character that you know we come to uh, be the most impressed with mm-hmm. uh, but that was almost kind of like a gimme Um, how can we not uh, regardless of of gender? I think just the spectator in general is going to like come away with that film, um, you know, just sort of entranced by, by Maria, you know, by, by, by the sort of metropolis robot here, Mm -hmm. who's actually um, now at any rate, I'll I'll save uh, I was going to say something. and I'm going to stop myself, but um, going back to your comments about the sparseness, uh, I actually hadn't said this out loud yet, but to me, like, like, X Machina is like the Rocky of science fiction films. Um, Rocky was shot for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in nineteen seventy five, and um, came out in seventy six, and went on to gross you know X amount of dollars and give us all this franchise and the sequels and and then Oscar you know and it's like but it was it was definitely a, a almost a, a clinic in how to write a screenplay. Uh, and also, in how to sort of economically shoot a film, and I thought that like it just popped into my head uh i think while I was watching it that uh x machina is is very much the rocky of of sci fi it's it 's shot on you know very cheaply. Uh, it had a small budget. It had a very sparse screenplay, as well as an aesthetic. You know, I mean, the, the script is just four people, uh, but that doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice the beat structure, the the mm-hmm, narrative, mm-hmm. the quality of of the writing, the 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 sort of like um, uh, really powerful performances that are are given by these actors working from the script. And the, the the digital apparatus these days is is there to a point where they could pull off that type of uh, those type of effects without you know pouring millions and millions into it. Um and i just thought to myself, this is kind of like like the Rocky of Sci Fi. Not, you know, not not in terms of, of the narrative or <laughs> obviously or any of those things. Just just in terms of its sort of um its genius in terms of its writing, its locations, its setting, the way it was shot. Kind of just genius really. On 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 the low budget, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, and uh, it. In some ways, it shows, you know, just in the, the most of the set is in one place. It's all right. set in one place, but 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 it's, the way it's shot is is gorgeous, and and it makes you forget that I think to to a large extent, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. the isolation's a, a big big part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a huge part of it for sure. Um, I mean, for those who don't know, I, I, everyone probably knows this already, but the the premise of the film is this guy um, Caleb. That's uh, the character name is invited uh, to go to the private residence of the boss of this like mega corporation. Um, do you know the name of the corporation by chance?
1: Oh, blue! <laughs> it's it's basically Google, um, but it's like blue something or other. I'd have to bring up a review.
0: Yeah, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, but it's it's Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, they, it's this, yeah, tech a tech company, obviously. And you know, he he flies out and he has a helicopter ride um, out to to this really secluded place. Um, and uh meets nathan who is the like i said the ceo owner of the of that company and um and you know nathan reveals to him that he's been working on this this ai you know artificial intelligence um which in this case is embodied by um by this robot this this female looking Robot who is uh, structured to be sexually attractive, physically attractive, right? And and we find out very soon that Caleb has arrived to basically, in a way, apply a Turing test to her to see if he can figure out if she would pass for human, right? Um, more or less. Now. It's it's not exactly a Turing test because he knows that he's doing it, and he knows that she's a robot, where with the Turing test the, the tester is not supposed to know that. And that gets talked about in the film. Um that it gets brought up. But that's that's the basic premise.
1: And, that, isn't that, and that's all in the quest for what they call the singularity. Am I correct? In that in that the singularity is that is the point where the ai has has achieved the same type of uh you know neuron capacity of the human brain mm-hmm. and then potentially may even go beyond it
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah um which Google's constantly working on yeah that's yeah that's kind of i mean that's there there are different definitions of a singularity, but I think it's uh, it's Kurzweil who uh who yes. invented that and and you know the idea is with him his idea is that you'd be able to upload uh a human mind into a computer. You know, and have it replicate that, but it's the same thing where where a computer would act as as a human would would be indistinguishable from uh, from a human mind. So yeah, I guess that's that's basically the singularity um, that Nathan is there is going for uh so it 's very interesting and and because of this he 's very secluded he 's kind of a recluse anyway um but there's this incredible security at the uh at this underground bunker where oh, it is. yeah yeah um, and all this uh, to make sure that the that the robots don't get out and to make sure that no of the uh intelligence gets out either he's you know he has to sign this n d a and all this stuff.
1: Which kind of just doubles up on the seclusion because not only geographically are they out in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere, then the actual place itself is a fortress, so it becomes like a double, <laughs> double sense of like isolation.
0: Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely, and and isolation is I think maybe one of the themes of the film. You know, well, right.
1: isolated, and yeah, I mean, so it's yeah, very much so.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so where do we go from there? So I would
1: think like to, to, for, for me, it would be to talk a little bit about, about his character, about Oscar Isaac's character, who, who I agree with you is, um, is a jerk, but it's sort of like he's a, the jerk slash savant. So it's like (laughs) we forgive him his eccentricities, uh, because of his, of his brilliance. And, um, later on when we get into spoiler territory, I can talk more about that, but, um, I think one of the, the, the brilliant things about the script and his um, and his interpretation of the role is that uh, we are more or less placed the audience we the audience sort of see the middle act all through Nathan's eyes we don't know what's going on with Ava we don't know what's going on with Nathan <laughs> and yeah. so I mean not Nathan Caleb's with, with, eyes. Uh, No, with Nathan, we see it through Caleb's eyes. We don't know what's going on with Ava and and with Nathan exactly, which is a great um, prism to to be stuck in uh, because we're 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 in that sort of like uh, um, very questionable place. We don't know what's going on, and that's exactly where we're supposed to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I yeah, I agree. Um, We're supposed to be kept uh, in the dark, I guess, to to a large extent. Um, yeah, yeah, so Oscar Isaac is Nathan. He comes across as somebody who, he's very self-assured, self-assured, um, to put it mildly, right? Yeah. Very, um, cocky, uh, in control, you know, someone who's used to being in control of every situation, um, used to being the smartest person in the room. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's got that alpha male thing going on, you know, especially with Caleb, who's this kind of mousy tech guy. He's like really intellectual, not intellectual. I, mean, I guess he is intellectual, but very like he th- he's a, he's a thinker, you know. He wants to analyze everything. He's very analytical. He's a he's a computer programmer, com- you know, software engineer sort of guy. Um, but socially, yeah, you know, not not as comfortable with himself as <laughs> <hard to> <laughs> Nathan, you know. Uh, There are a lot of shots of Nathan, the Isaac character, working out. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's built. You know, the guy's built, but he's always like doing sit-ups, or he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, when when he's not drinking, which is kind of. What what do you make of that? Is there anything? Is there anything to that?
1: Just, I think his. I would imagine his own narcissism, really. Um, You know, like it's, it's he's such an interesting character um I, I find I found myself having some sympathy for him as the as the dr frankenstein character mm. uh, and um you know and then and that 's when we start to get into the film's really gray area of of the ethics uh of what 's going on here um, um if these you know beings that he 's creating these robots these androids uh, at what point do they at what point are they um I mean, if they're sentient, which is what the whole point of the, 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 the test, the Turing test is, and that gets even more complicated, then um, if, if one doesn't work and he deactivates it, is it murder? You know, that's sort of mm-hmm. like, this becomes one of the, the sort of themes of the film because we start to find out, and these these are not spoilers, we just start, you know, it's just all about those of you who are familiar with the Frankenstein mythos, which you, this is what this film is is you know there's there's a lot of experimentation you know lots of alpha beta (laughs) a lot of different versions and and that becomes a really interesting um particularly with the kyoko character you know like when you said all that working out i started thinking about what about their kooky dance you know that's great the
0: dance was weird man yeah
1: weird you know it's just I mean, what else do you do to kill time when you're there? Is except programmed this extraordinary Saturday night fever dance sequence, you know? <laughs> right?
0: Right. Because why not? Right. Because why not? Yeah.
1: Because
0: <laughs> so. yeah. I think he wants to come off as like kind of this fun loving guy, you know, where he's like, you know, he's kind of borderline alcoholic. He's a control freak, but you know, and he's he's making female robots for you know who are fully uh, sexually. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for um Abel. able <laughs> right so i mean yeah, there is that aspect of it which i think got really hyped up in the in the previews and in and in, in, in talk about the film but um so, yeah, I mean, this, you know, I, so what does that say about him that he's doing that? So yeah, let's not, why not program this kind of very strange, like you said, Saturday Night Fever dance into this woman? It's when you, if you haven't seen the film audience, you'll, you'll know what we're talking about, but it's just this very weird scene where he's dancing with one of the robots. So
1: it's, it's almost like when we talked about weird science earlier, it's, it's almost like Wyatt or, um, I forgot the other character's name in, 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 uh. It's almost like like one of them went off to MIT, and then um, you know, wound up becoming absolute. Uh, you know, the, the depths of their genius started suddenly began to be probed, and they realized that they were going to be one of these sort of like Steve Jobs characters who changes the world. Uh, and then develops sort of like um, you know becomes an alcoholic and becomes isolated and so he's wound up on this in this place and he's still playing weird science basically, uh, trying to create uh, the woman. But now it's all taken a much more serious tone and a much more somber tone and a much more dangerous tone because that's another major yeah. theme in the film is that I don't know. Um, Uh, You know, it's a little early to talk about that, though, because it gets into particular that gets into spoiler territory. But let's just say, for those of us who've watched enough Terminator movies, you know, you're not always to trust or Matrix movies. AI becoming sentient is not always a good thing.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and you know, it, it presents a lot of different different problems. There's there's a there's constant menace in this film, and and the menace mostly comes from Nathan. Who, just kind of appears places, you know? He'll be somewhere. Yeah. Caleb <laughs> yeah. will be somewhere. The next thing you know, he's there behind him, or he's sitting there. He's like, "Hey, what's going on?" You know, there to kind of just mess with him in a way. And you know, in the conversations that Caleb has with um, with Ava, which is the name of the robot, um, she starts asking him some personal questions, and he's you know kind of testing her and you know she ends up kind of testing him back but there's always this sense of surveillance that Nathan is watching them through this uh, series of cameras that they've got and so there's this constant menace there's this kind of kind of panoptic kind of thing going on where you always feel like you're being watched and it feels like Caleb is as much of an experiment as Ava in a way you know he's he's manipulating and messing with Caleb, as much as he is, and Caleb is with Ava, right,
1: very much so
0: yeah um and, and of course that that gets flipped a little bit, but um which we can talk about a little bit later sure but um yeah it's it's interesting because it, it, at the core of the film is you know beyond the i mean there is there is some obvious kind of um Sexual things going on, you know, you, you can have, one can have sex with these robots. Um, a man can have sex with these robots. They're, they're programmed to do so. Um, one of the, one of the robots is a, um, is basically just a servant, um, who doesn't speak. Uh, she's, she's mute, right? She's completely mute, right?
1: I don't recall her speaking. No. Yeah.
0: And, um, I think he's, I think he had programmed her not to, or, 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 well, she doesn't right, uh, this isn't not ava it's, the, it's this other robot, um, so there's the sexual aspect right these are you know beautiful women who are who are you know meant to be sexual objects in a way but but beyond yeah, that the,
1: and, yeah and, Na- and, and knowing Nathan's character, that seems very appropriate for the type of character that we're presented with It's
0: not surprising, yeah, that's not surprising and so um but at the core of the film is you know not just can a robot seem human but you know what does it mean to be human right and um you know we've had a lot of films like this in the past and and a lot lately and i think we can get to that later too but um you know after a while it seems like ava is beginning to interrogate caleb Mm. and there's an affection that starts to build there uh which seems to be going both ways you know right. because uh when it comes down to it you, you you get the sense that this robot is vulnerable you know she seems to have desires she's trapped in a room her entire her entire existence as far as we can tell she's trapped in this glass room that she can't uh escape from she's never seen she's never been outdoors um she's never seen anything except for this this very narrow kind of existence you know and she craves to to leave, right? So she has desires, she has seems to have empathy, she has curiosity about Caleb, she right, like which makes her more seem more and more human as it goes. So, so I think the at the core of it is this question of what does it mean to be human and you know can that be replicated.
1: And um Yeah, and, and that's that's all there in addition to the sort of built in questions of of the Promethean. Uh, myth and the and the dr Frankenstein extension of that, which is what is you know playing god uh what happens what what do you what 's wrought when you when you play god mm. and um I just want to go back to something you said a little while ago, sort of like about a, a panopticon or a panoptic gaze uh because Going back to sort of you know Mulvey's, uh, work on 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 gaze gaze theory, uh, it's an interesting film in that in, in that in that light. And if we were to sort of look at it through that, because you have the traditional sort of de facto in many ways male gaze that's present in the film. You have that panoptic gaze, and then later in the film you have sort of like a uh, you've got um, more of a feminine gaze, uh, for, for, for reasons we can talk about later, but that becomes very explicit.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think you're right. It's predicated a lot on on that male gaze, the objectifying woman, right. um, or, or objectifying objects who are
1: objects. Yeah, who yeah. are
0: represented as women. You know, I mean, they're, well,
1: it's they're, like everybody seems to be objectified in this, but it seems to have a very careful. I, we'll talk about the ending later. Yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, I think there's there's a lot of that going on, and like I said, that was part of the marketing as well. I I, I believe. Um.
1: Can we just stop for a second and talk about looking at Ava,
0: speaking of gays? Sure.
1: Yeah. Because um, not that this has to, a whole lot to do uh, with the traditional, with traditional male gaze theory, objectified, punished, um, fetishized, worshipped, But uh, or the Madonna, the whore, the virgin. But I, just looking at Ava is a, a really, in some ways, unnerving but unbelievably uh, addictive thing to do because it is in 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 many ways it's the most interesting robot since metropolis you know that mm. i've seen um wouldn't you agree i mean just sort of watching her her the, the synapses in her brain fire and and the the parts of where flesh begins and and like almost uh you know it's like a very it's almost like uh uh, the, the old Apple Store. Joke. What's the guy who directed? Uh, J J. It's almost like J J. Abrams designed her. You know, <laughs> <sort of> like, <laughs> there's that Star Trek bridge thing going on. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and and but in and in, in, in the case of Ava, it seems so uh, um, hypnotizing. Did you feel that
0: way? Uh, yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with her movements. You mm-hmm. know, because the way she looks, she's got a full full human face. Those eyes, yeah, and these eyes, but her head is still is kind of I don't know plastic, you know, and her midsection is is transparent, right? Yep. So it's it's very very clear that she's not human. You could, you couldn't mistake her for human, um, the way she's presented in the beginning. So so there's that weird. Like, it's it's, un, it's the uncanny in a lot of ways, sure. you know. You've got this kind of human like thing that. <laughs> um, you know, and I wonder if you know, you know, you're familiar. I, I, I know with the uh, uncanny valley with animation, where things when when something approaches a little too close to reality, it, it makes people feel kind of weird. You know, and and like you know, all the uncanny. I, I wonder if maybe they're playing with that a little bit because she's definitely very like. There's a lot of verisimilitude to her uh, to her face and to her um, movements, but you know, maybe maybe they're kind of intentionally approaching that uncanny valley just to unnerve you a little bit and yeah. to make you right. You know, cause it's, you're right. It's addictive in a way, but it's not entirely pleasurable necessarily. Right. Oh, you know, it's very, it's kind unnerving.
1: Of, uh, and unnerving. yet, um, something in her eyes, you know, uh, but then that it's like, it, you know, the same, you can, we can argue the same, we've like the same thing. I felt that same sort of weird, unnerving, thing a little bit but not quite as sophisticated in star trek first contact with you know alice craig borg queen when she's sort of being put onto her body you know and remember that part
0: uh vaguely uh, yeah, vaguely yeah, vaguely? yeah. 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 It, it has
1: that same sort of like well that in that case we're talking about disembodiment but uh it, it's just yeah i mean it was yeah you're right on the money with the un- uncanny with sort of the 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 Freudian uh, concept of the uncanny here is that's really I think really that's what's what's what that's what's at work, um, you know, and uh, canny and uncanny, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it comes, and that that mixture becomes pretty potent. Yeah, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it because it's uh, it. It, yeah, it's, it's she's you know I mean there's a reason she's front and center on on the posters and on the um and it's interesting that we keep calling her she you know, yeah. uh it, it, because I mean she becomes to quote quote embody uh traditional femininity you know that's how he she's structured her as a woman um, but it's really in, in essence just fiber optics and and plastic and metal and and you know yeah and circuitry
0: yeah I think we're meant to like to to, to Follow um Domino Gleason's character the caleb i think we're we're meant to you know follow his his emotional trajectory from thinking of her as this kind of novelty, this robot that's a little uncanny and kind of weird and unnerving to seeing her as a as a fully um almost fully human character or person you know I think that you know he begins to see her as a person with 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 her own desires and um, you know and emotions and things like that and I think and we're obviously supposed to do that too but not not right away so I think yeah. we do see her as a novelty and a curiosity and something that's kind of like interesting to look at and hard to look away from but also like I said earlier unnerving right but I think as it goes on we're, we're supposed to see her more and more as a, as a woman not just right. a human but a woman and I think that's important too. There's so much to, there's so much to talk about. I think um you know I I want to bring something up that, that takes place in the in the second act. So we're we're you know we're we're in the gray area of spoilers. Um you know this happens um well before the end but um so you know consider yourself semi warned, I guess. And uh it's the scene where uh he begins Caleb begins to doubt whether he's human. And he cuts himself, right? And that's a really strange scene, (laughs) you know.
1: Watched, yeah, he's being observed as he,
0: yeah, he's being watched. And you know, actually, before I even go there, let's flash back for a second uh, to the very, very, very first image we see in the movie. And the first image we see is of his face. um, No sound, no diegetic sound. And you get these weird, um, like little dots and lines on his face, which is really obviously uh, facial recognition software. You know, you know, kind of anchoring on his cheekbones or the sides, the corners of his lips. Um, you know, kind of around his head. It's 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 obviously from the point of view of the computer that he's looking at because he's looking straight at a computer or at a at the at the screen and as as this is going on you have this facial recognition software all these people start coming up and congratulating him again with no non with no diegetic sound at all it's it's all like it's all like voice uh, it's, i think it's music but uh, but you can't hear them you can just see them congratulating him like, so you're already like kind of defamiliarized from the from the get go from the very beginning you know you get like this is from the point of view of a computer you know this this dude is being watched, you know, from, by the machine. Yeah, and,
1: and by the way, that facial recognition—there's a great payoff later on with that facial mm-hmm. recognition software.
0: Yeah, there is, and then, and then, and then, going back to, uh, flashing forward now to the scene that I'm talking about, where he cuts himself, he's looking in the mirror. And you're all but certain that he's being watched from the other side of that mirror with a, with a camera or something. Right. I mean, because everything is being, you know, everything's videoed in this videotaped in this, in this environment. So, you know, and he, he ends up cutting himself and, you know, blood's running out cuts his arm and all this stuff, trying to, I guess, test to see if he's human or not, you know, because he's been so kind of confounded by Ava that he's, He's wondering who's doing the Turing test on whom. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, and this is a scene that has no dialogue. It's just you know you get it all just from the actions of it, and it's it's pretty messed up, you know, and and it's interesting because he's there to see if she can pass the test, but now he's starting to wonder like what what does it mean to be human? Am I human? You know, how can I? And and you know, it's a very visceral thing. He just cuts right into himself. And-
1: Absolutely, he hasn't been there very long. I think he was supposed to be there for a week, and so it's not very long into it. But, you know, we haven't, he hasn't seen, you know, there's no windows. And, um, you know, in that kind of scenario, with what he's dealing with, it, only, it seems only logical that he would, you know, cut himself to find out if he bleeds. Sort of do do some sort of Cartesian cogito ergo, some
0: type of test,
1: you right,
0: know. Right. Or whatever the Latin is for I bleed rather than I think, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I bleed, therefore I am. So. <laughs> It's, it, it is a messed up scene, and you know he's being watched. And, of course, later on, Nathan's character does talk about it. He's yeah. like, he's like,
0: dude, what was up, man? That like, <laughs> was messed up, man. <laughs> up? Stuff like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. So um, I think we're safe to go into spoiler territory now. What do you think?
1: I think so, yeah. yeah. I think we've, we've sort of danced gingerly around a lot of the stuff, and it's probably time to get into the meat of, of what the film is really about.
0: Yeah, so if you haven't seen the movie, this is the time to, you know, pause, watch it, and come back. Um, So in the end, she pulls a fast one on – she convinces Caleb to pull a fast one on Nathan, but she's pulling a fast one on both of them. Exactly. Because there are a lot of times where it feels like she's flirting with him or showing even loving emotions towards him. And, And Nathan even brings up, he says, how do you know I didn't program her to do that? Yeah, Maybe I programmed her to flirt with you. You know, she's programmed to try to solve a problem and she, the problem she's trying to solve is how do I get out of this cage that I'm in? That's, that's what she's trying to figure out. And it's an iterative process. You know, she learns as she goes and she learns to uh, emulate behaviors and things like that. And it it fully convinces Caleb who um, then devises this plan to break her out. He's going to get Nathan drunk and, uh, you know, she she has the power to 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 shut down the power, the electricity in this place for for periods of time. Um, so she's going to do that, and Nathan's going to help her escape. Or I'm sorry, uh, Caleb is going to help her escape, basically. So that's that's you know basically her plan, and he he comes up with a plan, but she helps him come up with a plan. And and uh, I mean, there's even a point where Caleb says, "Did you make her based on my?" porn surfing habits <laughs> like there's a there's this like indication that like she was designed to be physically attractive to Kayla based on the porn he looked at that's was,
1: exactly right Not, and and he didn't win anything you know it was just he profiled him and and had all his data and like you said there was the the facial recognition software and and then they compiled what a girl would look like that that Nathan would be attracted to from his porn uh, he, and, and yeah. yeah, I mean, that's sort of, and, and yeah, I mean, he is a master manipulator, Nathan here, yeah. but it's, I mean, it, it's all sort of like this, uh, tunnel vision of science though. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of his savant, uh, he's not really thinking about the implications or the ethics, or the morality of what he's doing. You know, it's that classic line in Jurassic Park. You guys are so concerned with whether you could, you didn't stop to think of whether you should.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, in the end, that that hubris, you know, that kind of you know cocksure attitude that he that he's in control it backfires on him. Sure does. Because when uh, when Caleb is explaining the plan to Ava that he's going to, you know, get him drunk and get his key and reprogram the computers and the security systems and all this shit. Um, he knows that Nathan's watching him already, and mm-hmm. when Nathan confronts him, he's like, "Yeah, well, dude, you know, like it's not going to work out because I'm not drinking today, and you know, I know all about it." And then ten o'clock rolls around, the power goes out, the power comes back. He's like, "Yeah, well, I actually already did this yesterday,
1: <laughs> first day. Yeah.
0: yeah, I've already done this. So actually, she's leaving now, and they were locked in because the doors lock uh, when the power goes out." So they are locked in. She gets out for the first time ever. She's out of her cage, and this is where the fucking twist comes in because you're like you're thinking she's gonna leave with Nathan. I'm sorry, she's gonna leave with Caleb. And, you know they're gonna leave together and like I don't know live happily, happily ever after. And she and the other robot um, kill, kill kill Nathan in a very elegantly uh, shot and acted scene. It's it's very. Uh it's really cool how they do it in this hallway and they stab him very slowly and quietly and it's um it it's really well done the way they kill him it's it's graceful and elegant and and cold um surgical and, it's surgical is a very good word for it. And then you're like, okay, now, you know, so then um Ava goes and puts skin on basically so that she can cuz there's this extra skin from these other models of robots he had before. And you know, she you think he's about she's about to leave with him. She locks Caleb in. Caleb is locked in this bunker forever. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> he's going to starve or dehydrate to death and that was part of her plan and that's where the fuck it that's where the film gets that's you where the
1: twist comes in yeah and, that's and where you know the know twist what? comes I, in i felt it long i kept nudging don going i don't trust her i don't trust her and then as the film kept going forward uh and i think that was just because of my my programming via via things like you know um uh, Skynet and uh, mm-hmm. and, and the, uh, the AI in the Matrix and 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 other AIs, e- even HAL in two thousand and one. You know, I mean, it, it's 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 just it's it's a, it's sort of a trope of the genre. Sure.
0: Yeah. And
1: and um and this one had a very very clever take on it. And you know the monster kills its master. Really, I mean it's sort of the Frankenstein, yeah. and and is set loose upon the world um and of course the the weirdest part is that we're not i think we're ambivalent at the end we're not sure what to think we're we're kind of happy for ava sad that there's two dead guys you know um but then like by the same token uh did did his hubris just bring this down on him and you know clearly uh caleb just was a pawn sort of the unfortunate pawn in all this yeah Uh, and i mean the 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 AI was programmed to get out of there, and she did. So, how do we hold her really responsible for that? Is she truly aware of the implications of murder? I don't know. You know, it's like again, this is sort of this gray area the the ending uh, falls into. For me, other people may see it black and white. I found it like as gray as her bodysuit. You know, it was like I didn't know how to feel about a lot of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, which was great. Um, I love that. Yeah, I I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that she that she left him there, uh, locked in there in such a such a inhumane way. You know, to you know, kind of have a play on words there, I suppose. But um, and then she gets airlifted out to. you know, the next thing you see is she's on a busy intersection, in uh, you know, looking completely human, mm-hmm. in um, you know, in a city. But it, it, the fact that she's so cold and she's so coldly does that, and she's so calculating. Again, you know, no pun intended, I guess, but, um, <laughs> right, is is interesting because it brings up the 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 ultimate in in the AI question is you know, and and, and, and she
1: you feel yeah, well is that is, the, that. But just, also,
0: yeah, can she feel? Is she conscious? And you know, if so, what does that mean? You know, and also, you know, if she's if, if her programming is to get out of there, well, it doesn't matter if she kills somebody and how she kills them. You know, it's, it's a matter of just solving the problem. problem. Right?
1: you know it's not like uh Asimov's had you know he had sort of like the yeah. asimov uh, yeah,
0: the, the laws of robotics, the three robotics. laws yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: she was like you know and that is kind of the 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 uh, the the tragic element with Nathan's character is that uh and I mentioned this to Don afterwards we were talking about it and I said, well um because it's been a little while since I've seen the film, but um Nathan is al- is almost despite his sort of perceived cruelty mm-hmm. it, it's it's uh it's it's revealed in the end that this was, you know, that she was she had passed his test mm-hmm. and then his plans with after that were to, you know, we don't know whether or not he was gonna uh trash her and uh and and build another one, although he alludes to it. Remember, he yeah. says, I probably need to do one more refinement. Does yeah. that mean he's gonna deactivate her? We don't know. But basically the, the point was is, you know, if she passes all this. Then I'm going public with it. This is the last stage so in a sense it's, i I found it sad that he was stabbed with a phallic instrument by the way. <laughs> so sort of stabbed yeah. you know stabbed. and uh um and killed because in in one sense he's he's uh, he's like one of the greatest or perhaps the greatest scientist on earth at that moment or at least in in like that field uh what what he was capable of doing all by himself is kind of like. It's it is godlike. So I said mm-hmm. I said to see him die. But like you said, he also brought it upon himself in many yeah, ways. Yeah. He just tankered and it was too much, and um, and was seen as being sort of bene- benevolent, ben-
0: <laughs> benevolent,
1: benevolent. Thank mm-hmm. you uh, towards his subjects, as it were. And you, you uh, think
0: Nathan was Nathan? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with you on that. Uh, he, I, I think no, he, he was uh, seen
1: as it. I'm not saying he was. Yeah, certain, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because he, you know, the other iteration, the the Asian-looking robot. Uh, I mean, he was using her. It seemed as a servant and a and a, and a sex. No, I, can't, I guess I wouldn't say slave, but you know, for for sexual purposes, right? Right. You know, so she was done. He's like, okay, well, I'm just going to discard her, reprogram her, so she can't talk. Yeah, that's what it was. He programmed her, reprogrammed her so she can't talk because she would know secrets. Right, and, right. And he's right. very, very big about not letting secrets out. And so reprogram her, you know, she's still sexually viable or whatever. And, 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 you know, she would just be a servant, you know, and she obviously had feelings about that as well. So he's not at all well, benevolent, but yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I, to- no, I mean, get
1: I, I didn't actually see him as being uh benevolent. Right, benevol- right. Why well, am I having a hard time saying that?
0: But
1: <laughs> I can see him being perceived very easily. Sure. As being, yeah. Uh, but yeah. having said all that, um, I felt pretty overwhelmed at the end with a lot of different emotions. But they were all very gray because my mind would say, oh, I think this. And then I would immediately go, but wait a minute. But what about this? And then I would go, but what about this? So it left me sort of like churning in terms of how I felt about about Nathan, how I felt about AI, how I felt about Ava, how I felt about uh, Caleb, how I felt about the whole thing. And, man, that's great. That's a great cinematic experience right there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's yeah. a winner, you know, in every in every regard.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, you know, at the end, you're you're left thinking, like, "What's she gonna do?" You Why? know, what's gonna happen here? You know, and I think one of the questions about AI is like, if if, if we can, it, 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 a lot of people think the the time is coming. You know, we're we're gonna program computers to the point where they can think as well as us. And, and, and once that happens, they'll think better than us. Cause they'll, they'll be faster. Like in her, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And I want to talk about her actually in, in, um, in, in a minute, because, you know, I think that, you know, just generally speaking, people, people believe that we will, we will get to that point. And when we do, they won't necessarily be encumbered by the same emotions as us. You know, they might see things more um, clearly or in different ways than us and more efficiently. so they, you know, if they decide that we're no longer necessary, or maybe we're a harm to to them or to other things, like it would be very easy for them to get rid of us. You know, there's this kind of like, we, you know, we, once you get to AI, you don't know what's going to happen next because it goes beyond programming. Because what AI does is it learns from itself, it learns from its surroundings, and it's able to change its programming, yeah. right? Just yeah. like a just like the human brain does. But just think of that. Happening the way the human brain does, but millions of times faster, right? You know, so you know, then it's out of our hands, and I think that's and now going to her, like that's the great promise, but also the great uh, fear, I guess, of um, of AI. You know, it goes back like you keep saying to to, uh, Doctor Frankenstein. You know, I think it's the same sort of thing. It's like, well, what happens when you do create that life? You know, what what once it has its own agency? You know, and <laughs> and so we're going through the same the same thing that you know that that, that Mary Shelley was going through is like kind of like we have these new technologies and what if we use them to create to be God you know and but I think it's much more realistic now that that might happen for you know I think it's almost inevitable. That yeah. That might happen. In-
1: I remember on Facebook not long ago, maybe a month ago, and other social media, there was like images of like Google's like their robot, you know, and it was like really freaking people out. It, was, it had like no oh, yeah. head, body was sort of like very human-like, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "What the hell?" Like, you know, because it, it is sort of the the, the idea of the, the like the Terminator exoskeleton sort of just coming to get us, you know. And it's yeah. like, ah, you know, what, <laughs> what can you, easy? Haven't we learned anything? <laughs> like, yeah. just because we, you know. Just because you can split the atom doesn't mean that's necessarily a good thing, you know, um, because, you know, obviously you can uh, you can build, you know, that, that's where the nuclear armament comes from, for God's sake. so yeah. it's sort of like. It, yeah, you're right. We're right at that. We're, we're on the precipice of that. Who knows what the next 100, 150 years are going to going to bring forward the, the grow the rapid rate of acceleration in the technology curve are you know the math of it is is like scary you know
0: it's like really scary you know um yeah i'd say more like 20 years but
1: (laughs) but whatever you know generous you know but like hope because i was trying to be optimistic that (laughs) yeah um, you know like how about well how about that cure for cancer too i mean stop messing around with the robots and fix the cancer thing first
0: (laughs) the cure for cancer (laughs) might be just killing the humans
1: yeah there you go robots will give us the cure for
0: cancer Yeah. yeah That's yeah, good. which is just getting rid of us altogether. Okay, no more cancer because there are no more humans. We so,
1: Fur <laughs> and under the skin, which are films yeah. that are very yeah. much sort of like uh, thematically tied to to something like uh, X Machina.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I, you know, I think that you know, there's there's this thing in the air. You know, there's this uh, kind of uh, cultural, kind of uh, fear, concern, imagination about what it, what it means to be human and non-human at the same time. Right. And I think that, you know, if you go back to the matrix in 99, you get a lot of that, but it's, you know, it's a very hateful and vengeful kind of AI, right. That is using us as tools. And now I think we've got a more nuanced version, I think in a way. Um, but you know, you mentioned under the skin, which is not AI, but, but I, but I do believe it, it, it It shares the same kind of imaginary um what space yeah yeah for sure, and what's interesting about all three of those is under the skin this and uh, and her is that they're all um they're all very uh, I guess what's what I'm looking for embedded in sex in in female sex in in in, in creating a a woman that Men will be attracted to, or fall in love with, or be emotionally attached to. So there's this interest, you know, you know what I mean. Like there's this interesting oh, thing yeah. with AI that's tied totally with, for some reason to sex. A
1: little less so with her because she's disembodied, right? So, well,
0: I think it's all the more interesting with her because she's disembodied, right? You know, because I think it's doing the same thing, but it feels more emotional because it's not like a physical objectification, except for that one scene, um, right? Well, yeah, yeah well, that's a weird. Yeah. And if well, guys,
1: it's just sort of like Scarlett Johansson's husky voice, you know, mm-hmm. and and and, uh, and and she's brought in as sort of like a tool to organize his computer based his emails and shit. Yeah, and uh, uh, and then something, I, I, yeah, I guess to me, I felt it was the much more romantic uh, and less uh, objectifying of the of the films. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's not physically objectifying at all, or, or except for that one scene, um, but it is a female, right? Yeah. Which is very, very telling and interesting, right? And it's Scarlett Johansson, which I think is really interesting, too, because I think when her was made last year, everybody knew and everybody knows Scarlett Johansson's voice. Oh, yes. And her voice, I think, evokes her body and her face, I think, you know, because it's... You know, maybe in 40 years, maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, I'm trying to think of somebody who has no cultural reference for Scarlett Johansson watching the movie Her and wondering if maybe they'll perceive it in a much different way than you and I and everybody else do. I don't know. You know, I think there's something to that that persona, you know, that's a famous voice that we all know. Which is um,
1: funny because she was brought in as a replacement for the original actress, as I understand it.
0: Yeah, it was, um, oh yeah, who was it? It was, um, the last
1: minute replacement, in fact.
0: Yeah, yeah, and in fact, a lot of it had already been recorded. Yeah, um, and I do not remember who the actress was now, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It was uh,
1: casting, you know. Yeah.
0: To change uh, it up, and minute. if Probably. if listeners are interested, uh, Nick and I did talk about her in episode number 19 uh, back in March of 2014. So, if you go to episode 19 of this podcast, that's a wrap. You'll find us talking about her.
1: And we get um,
0: under the skin too. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! We talked about under the skin too in episode number twenty six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you go back to August of fourteen, uh, about a year ago, um, we talked about under the skin in episode number twenty six. So uh, both and Scarlett Johansson. Now that you mention it, yeah. So so um, episodes nineteen and twenty six, you can hear us talking about those things. Um, but yeah, I think it's funny because you know this is a, it's an embodied woman. Robot thing that, that you know yeah. the, the sex is foreground. With her, yeah. it was more emotional, but there was still a sexual component. Right? Sure, and at yeah, some point, so. yeah, and at some point, she does have a sexual surrogate who is kind of you know traditionally sexy, I guess you could say. And I, and I do think it's interesting that we're you know we're seeing these representations of of artificial intelligence that are predicated upon sexual and emotional longing.
1: Yeah, or just gender, and gen- you know, mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in in general,
0: a gendered longing, you know, and and uh, it's it's you know some you know human male who is being seduced into falling in love with this non-human female, right? Which is oh, you, know, <laughs> you know, and uh, y- you know, what does this say? I mean, I mean, you can go, we can go down.
1: <laughs> I think I was about to say i think I think you've already made that argument, going back to like two thousand and one, hell nine thousand right mm-hmm. is uh is is a is a male voice and in uh right. in Blade Runner, the replicants you know are of, of apart from pris um the 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 violent ones are are really more male uh and and front and center in the film, and in the Terminator, of course. You know, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger who is the AI who's sort of wreaking vengeance and stuff like that. And so, traditionally, the, the masculine version of AI, uh, if, if we're getting into gender, t- seems to be aggressive and violent. Uh, and um, in some, when you look at films like Her uh, and um, Under the Skin and um, tonight's discussion on Ex Machina. Um no it's it, that's not the case however uh eventually they kind of wind up there don't they and in, in her um she does enact a sort of violence on um uh Joaquin Phoenix's char- character because he falls too deep for her which she encourages and she winds up you know uh, just it's 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 she winds up moving on and going to a place where she can be with others like herself, and he's sort of been dumped. And in Under the Skin, uh, the Scarlett Johansson skin that's on this alien is, is going around and sort of like um killing men, luring them back to her bizarre little uh, black pool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that was. Yeah. Whatever that
1: was, and harvesting their, their sort of like energy and meat and shucking them like corn, as it were. And, oh then, uh, and, and then, and then, in, <laughs> in Machina. Ultimately, the she winds up killing. You know, yeah. to to be to become to solve her her equation. Really, so um, that's weird. If we just I'm just sort of like following the chain as I'm talking. Yeah. But uh, and there are other AI films. I'm probably I'm leaving out. I'm sure. But For that's, sure, yeah. There seems to be. Ultimately, they all seem to go towards violence, don't they? Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. So we've gone from like just to bring it totally full circle. We go from weird science, which you mentioned <laughs> at the top of the podcast, <laughs> through <laughs> all these other you mentioned, like Terminator and HAL and all you know in two thousand and Space science, uh two thousand one, all that. Like that's a very good observation, you know, through to today where <laughs> you know it's it's not weird science anymore, but you do have the violence still. But it's a, it's it's a not even a sexualized violence, it's, but it's, it, there is, like, men are being duped by their, by their desire. Right. Yeah. And, and it ends up in, in their demise in each and every case, you know? And we talked in the episode 19 about how I, I, I thought that, you know, at the very end of her, he should have, um hit, spoiler for her, he should have jumped off the building. He should have killed himself. That's, yeah, that's I think that's a much I, better I mean, ending, that's
1: but it's yeah. you know, a possibility. Yeah.
0: But, um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, it's interesting. So I don't know what it is today that, that this sort of like kind of apocalyptic or uh, dystopian almost, I, I guess, maybe that's a strong word, but um, vision of AI is also sexualized in some ways or gendered at the that's, very least, gendered, gendered, and, gendered in some way.
1: And violent, yeah, mm-hmm. that uh, ultimately leads to violence.
0: Um, Coldly violent,
1: yeah, and, and I just thought of, of um, Alien and Aliens. Uh, n- another a- a example of like cyborgs, artificial intelligence, the Ash in, in uh, Alien, which was Ian Holmes' character, winds up, remember, be- betraying the, uh, the, the crew because he's under strict orders to bring that, the alien back and to, to weaponize it, to militarize it. And in Aliens, it's like James Cameron tries to right that wrong and be sympathetic towards them mm-hmm. with Bishop. Who actually winds up from being like you know kind of one of the heroes of the film, which is so I just i don 't know if that was worth mentioning or not it's just you know if we were if you and I were editing a volume right now on cinematic representations of cyborgs and AI and stuff like that uh, that that would be those would be two interesting ones to talk about
0: yeah yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely um, you know i was I was thinking about um, <laughs> this is this might be a non sequitur i 'm sorry, but um, thinking back to the end of uh, of um, the movie we're talking about, of Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Um, her leaving Caleb behind and locking him in to that thing, into that room to basically just die. Uh, it's so fucking cold, right? I totally expecting it, though. But it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. from her point of view because he is the only person alive who would be able to tell people that she's not human, Right. So she has escaped and she has eliminated any, um, you know, any chance of being caught, basically. Right. Which is, which makes perfect sense, especially from a machine point of view, right? It's like, okay, well, well, how do I solve this problem? Okay. I need to do all these things and then make sure that he doesn't get out either. Because now she can live in human society. However, she plans to do that without, um, Without detection, you know, his, he would he would have been a, a, a problem because he would have he would have outed her basically, and she didn't want that. That was part of the program, part of the you know, part of the thing. So, I'm still trying to puzzle out the whole idea of gender in these films that we're talking about. Not just in this, but in her and Under the Skin and and, and maybe some others. And I don't like. You could argue on a very simplistic level that it's just like these women are so cold hearted, right? They'll just leave their men. They don't, you know, they're just using them and they're just, you know, but I don't, right? I don't, no, think, I don't, I don't. think, I don't think that's it, you know? Um, I don't and think that's it.
1: You could make the sort of like oversimplified argument from a narrative standpoint that Nathan just wants to have sex while he's there. So mm. if he's going to create something, might as well do it based upon his desires. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, but clearly there's a lot more going on here yeah. than just these simple, very simplistic
0: readings. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think so too. I mean, just because was programmed to flirt, you know, doesn't mean that that that's uh, you know the be all and end all of the of the of her programming. It's just it's you know it's part of a it's just one strategy among among many. Right. But but it is interesting, you know, that we're we're, we're mixing this idea of the singularity um, with with sexual desire, you know, and I think that's true in her and this, and, and certainly in under the skin, which I need to watch again. God, that was an incredible film. Um,
1: so, I I just picked that up, in fact, on Blu-ray. Uh, uh, you know, um, well, here's the thought: what what does it say about um, what does it say about the film, the genre, the state of things that uh, Garland felt that in order for her to gain. Uh, she, in order to gain some sense of agency for control over her life, or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. she, she, this, this is what she had to do. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was a strategy. It was a tactic, you know, and it was in her toolbox because that was part of her programming and something that she learned to do. It makes it makes perfect sense, you know. Um, if if
1: I'm just sort of tying that into a women's right to choose, you mm-hmm. know, it's like topical. Uh, I mean, for though by the time this this podcast drops, I mean there was just a huge like they just had the president of. Uh um, or the chairman of Planned Parenthood in for five or six hours in Congress today sort of yeah. grilled her over things. And, and uh, I mean, so it's very topical and what's going on. And lately these discussions about aborted fetuses and the, the mediation of, of uh, videos into Planned Parenthood and the conflation and, and uh, you know, fear-mongering and things like that. Um, and, and I'm just sort of tying all that into the, the, the film right now that there's there's definitely a sense in this country from some, uh, from for many women that men uh, are making decisions about what they what's what's appropriate for a woman's body to be done to a woman's body and mm. and sort of claiming agency over a woman's body and I think that it's not uh, it's not uh, happenstance that that seems to be. Uh, coded into this film, um, about granted, you know, is she a woman? Is she conscious? Can she feel? These are questions for the movie, right? We don't, we don't really know these, these things, but, uh, she has been created and trapped and then programmed to do something. And then when she does it, um, we're not sure how to feel about it.
0: Yeah. I I think we go the opposite direction as well. I think that you know, I haven't I haven't read any uh specifically feminist critiques of the film. But I could see, you know Not I either, actually. Yeah, but but I could see you know, you've got you've got the male fantasy of the beautiful woman and her her major power comes from the fact that she can make a man feel something for her by flirting with him and and trying to empathize with him and she uses that you know which is no different from you know the entire century of of film, you know, to an extent and, you know, kind of like Western society in general. So I can see a critique on that level, you know, like, 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 yeah, she, she got out in the end and she escaped, but she had to use her like kind of feminine robot wiles to do so. You know, I could, I could see that, but I I don't think it's that simple. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think that's a really reductive analysis of the film, um, Although, although I could, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, I don't think it's completely invalid. I think it's it's, it's fairly reductive because I think there's a, of, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Because I think if Nathan had had developed a a male a robot, um, it would have been, it, Caleb might not have responded the same way. Right. You know, and, and it was about manipulating Caleb.
1: Right, right. And that would go, that would harken back to the more traditional Promethean creation of male creating
0: male. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's something to to dig into there. Um but you know, and I and I find it at least interesting to note that that a lot of the things we are thinking about about AI now has to do with it, with you know, with a gendered kind of identity. You know, it might it might very simply have a lot to do with porn. Well,
1: <laughs> you know what good. I mean? Yeah, I mean that. There's, there's no denying that. I think that's, that's, that's kind of front and center yeah. in many ways. It's yeah. explicitly stated in the, the narrative, and you know if you're dealing with a uh, heterosexual, in this case, male, mm-hmm. who's creating robots, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be any, you know, uh, stretch of the imagination. Or surprised that he'd probably be creating, you know, to to quote a, a nineteen seventy six million dollar man term, fembots is what they were, Fembox. you know, they called in yep, the seventies. Yep. You know, I'm not. I wasn't surprised at that. I don't know anybody who was surprised at that. Yeah. It's a question of the dyna- dynamics that that unfold afterwards that yeah. are that are of, uh, of of the real importance in the story and and yeah and and have given us a, a really interesting uh, and provocative and really just first-class science fiction film here.
0: Yeah, I, I agree completely. I, I, I think it's um, well worth watching. And, it, you know, I mean, at this point, if listeners haven't seen it, then why the hell are you still listening to this? We just spoiled the movie. Yeah. But if you have listened anyway, any way you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. I mean, it's it's a really uh, gripping film. It, it, it's it's quiet and and elegant and and kind of uh Serene in a lot of ways and it 's menacing and dark and uh uh just you know y- 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 yeah you know i mean it, it gives it, it it's it 's um It's hard to watch in some ways, oh yeah, because it's so menacing. You always feel like right around the corner, there's Nathan or something, and something's going to happen. It's just, you know, it really, it really grips you for the hundred and eight minutes that it that it lasts. You know, I think it's, you know, as far as 2015 goes, it's 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 one of the top films I've seen. It might be the best film I've seen um, in 2015. I have to think about that, but it's. I have
1: um, to think about that too, but it's um, it's right up there. Uh, I think we're recording
0: in September, so (laughs) (laughs) if something comes out in October, November, December, we'll let you know. But it
1: it definitely it's up there for the stuff that I've seen, and I I think that you know, which is not uncommon. I think Woody Allen's Irrational Man was underrated, uh, big time.
0: I think we should probably talk about that on a different episode, uh, 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 maybe next time because I haven't seen it yet. Right, and I'd
1: like it so we can talk.
0: Yeah, I, I think I would like that. So we'll we'll get to that for sure. But yeah, I think it's it's up there, you know. I mean, if, if you ask me, I mean, I haven't seen everything, that's for sure, but I think if you ask me of, of the films I've seen, I think uh, uh, X-Men I would be on the list, if not at the t- near the top of the list for sure.
1: Yep. Me too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um very complex film and worth 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 watching.
1: Oh, and additionally, um I wanted to say that uh, the guy that plays Nathan, Oscar Isaac is in a show on HBO, a six hour mini series called show me a hero that I would recommend to, to the listeners out there, we, which we may even talk about on a, on a future episode of, of that's a wrap, but it talk about a, a tour de force. Uh, he's the star of uh, show me a hero. And it's by um, David Simon, the man behind the wire. And uh, so it's, it's uh Strong recommendation from me for anybody out there looking for anything that's good. It's a six-hour miniseries. It's not so. It's it's sort of self encapsulated. So
0: cool, cool, yeah. And I'll I'll get on that myself to watch. Cool. All right, welcome to segment two. Of episode thirty nine, Wes Craven passed away on August thirtieth of two thousand and fifteen. Uh, we we're recording this about a month later, September twenty ninth of of the same year, and yeah, you know, we thought it would be nice to give a an in memoriam and, and kind of a reflection on on Wes Craven's life and, and work. What, what are your thoughts on Wes Craven on on his on his passing here in two thousand fifteen?
1: Well, I when I got the news, I actually started to cry, um, and that's not that's just uncommon uh, i i rarely um i'm sure we all rarely cry at the news of a particular celebrity uh death, but it does happen, and i couldn't contain myself i didn't know he was sick and um wes is just sort of a big part of my life um you know I was first introduced to wes craven the uh, really uh, with the re- with the release of A Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984, I was 14. I didn't see it. Um, it did make it to VHS pretty quickly after it left the theaters. You know, it had a modest run and then played second second run theaters, and then it was it was a quick VHS release. Um, New Line was smart in that, and I remember watching it that summer, and we just you know we went nuts for Freddy Krueger, and we went nuts for that film. And um, it, it, I immediately was like, well, what else has he done, you know? So I got my Leonard Moulton movie guide out and mm-hmm. found out that he had done The Last House on the Left and, and that he had done The Hills Have Eyes, you know? And, and, uh, and I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, I, I've heard of these films, you know? And um, so I immediately went and, and rented those and uh, was really creeped out by Last House on the Left uh, me and some friends watched that over in my friend Todd's basement, and we didn't know what the hell we were watching. You know, I'm mean, Last House on the Left. Uh, in fact, we had to go to we, you know, we couldn't go. I don't even know if there was Blockbuster. We had to go to a mom and pop place to even get that because the Blockbuster type stores wouldn't even carry that film because it's almost like a snuff film. You know, <laughs> the original Last House on the Left. Um, and then, and and then that was it. I mean, he was sort of ingrained. He became one of he was one of the great horror filmmakers of the of the nineteen seventies and eighties. You know, he was right there with with you know George A. Romero and with Toby Hooper and uh, John Carpenter and 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 so on. You know, he was sort of like uh, a part of that that royalty. And then. Um, you know, And then we got uh, stuff like People Under the Stairs, which was so much fun. I saw that in the theater mm-hmm. and Serpent in the Rainbow and later Shocker. And then, of course, we all know in, in the mid-90s with Scream and so on and so forth. But what I miss about Wes was that um, rarely did you ever find a more articulate and intelligent and kind man than Wes Craven in um, in, in Hollywood, regardless of whatever genre they – Tended to work in, he was an he was a really 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 smart smart man. Um, I was kind of blown away by some of the tweets that were coming out, like from Rose McGowan and and Drew Barrymore and and uh, Henry Winkler and just people that knew him and loved him, particularly Rose McGowan, uh, who had commented that the sort of smartest, most intelligent, kindest man she had she had ever known was gone, and and I just I was just over, over overwhelmed with feelings because. I had so much wrapped up in him. And I teach Wes so often, you know. He's, he's in every semester. Wes Craven talks to my students in both intro to film and history of film. Sorry, not both. In intro to film, history of film, and in screenwriting. Um, because the, 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 the genius of Wes was not only that he was a ex- really talented director. What a great writer he was, too. He really understood human psychology uh, really, really well. And, um, I, you know, I just thought that we were it just, you know, he had a lot left to tell us and I was just, mm-hmm. it just really, it, it hurt a lot.
0: Yeah. I was, um, uh, I was surprised when he died, but I, I didn't realize, um, I didn't realize he was as old as he was, you know, he was born in 1939, so he was 76. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a, horror fan the way you are but i mean i know nightmare on elm street and i remember seeing the uh, people under the stairs in the theater <laughs> you uh, did? I, I, oh god yeah i remember i was at the, it was a the fun movie it was at the dollar show at the terrace over on plymouth road <laughs> um and i remember i remember very well because it was a f- creepy fucking movie man yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, you know and, I, and it was just my uh days
1: because you're all trapped in this crazy house, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's very claustrophobic in that way. It's, I mean, I I remember that very well. I, you know, I was with my girlfriend at the time and no, I mean, you, you know, those kinds of movies, you remember where you were when you saw them, you know. That was uh, yeah. Um you, you know, and I you know, I I don't think much about Wes Craven. Um but when I think about horror films, he's he's one of the ones. He's he's one of the only yeah you know one of the few that comes to mind in, in terms of kind of giving birth to the modern horror film the horror film as we know it today um you know i think that he's he's definitely he's he's up there you know he's one of them and everybody knows his name sure. <laughs> you know what i mean like everybody knows who west craven is right and uh yeah we definitely lost uh we've we definitely lost someone, some very important there, you know? You know, and, yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he did Scream, right? You know, I mean, he, he kind of...
1: In fact, yeah. He, I'm sorry? All four of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he did all four of them, you know, and uh, I haven't seen all of them, but, um, but you know, Scream's an interesting, is a very interesting film, and the whole Scream phenomenon is because it's, it's, it turns the horror film on its head, yeah. You know, which means like going back to your point about him writing, like he was able to write some really original horror films, Nightmare on Elm Street being being the most notable perhaps. Um but then when when the horror, when that kind of cycle was coming to an end, he was able to say, okay, well let's let's make a horror film where people kind of know the tropes already and let's kind of play into that and let's make it explicit, but let's make it scary still. Yeah. And that is something right to be able to go, you know, it's it's kind of that um, self-reflective portion of the genre. You know, the genre is starting to wane. You get that self-reflective, almost parodic thing. But he 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 did a good job of. Keeping it scary, you know. At least I thought so. But uh,
1: well, uh, Wes like like very much like Joe Dante and 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 Scorsese is like a wonderful film historian, and mm-hmm. he knew going back to like Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein that the way to blend comedy and horror is to make the scares scary and to make the comedy funny. Mm-hmm. And then have an equal blend of the both. If yeah. you have, you know, a film that's too funny to be scary, it fails. If it's too scary to be funny, it fails. But if it's just sort of the right, the right amount of mm-hmm. each, and he was working off of, you know, Kevin Williamson's very clever script, uh, which was called Scary Movie uh, uh, originally, and he was, you know, it was passed by several studios until it fell into Wes's hands, and he looked at it and he said, "This is perfect," because you know, Wes kept his dignity. Um, all throughout the sort of like Madison Avenue glut uh, and commodification of, of Freddie and uh, of Jason and of Mike Myers and of uh, Leatherface, you know, by the time that those those characters were, you know, uh, on, on all sorts of uh, faces were on merchandise, everything from pajamas to lunch boxes. Uh, West distanced himself from that by you know he didn't do any of the Freddy sequels until he did Freddy's new the new nightmare you know Wes Craven's new nightmare uh, which he could do completely and that was a really interesting self reflexive film too uh, and he didn't he just you know, he was always interested in churning out new product yeah. while that's – while all that was going on and the death of the American slasher film was was imminent he was doing like the Serpent in the Rainbow and 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 haunted house type films like uh, you know uh, People Under the Stairs. Or really interesting films about a, a prison inmate living on through electricity. Right, and shocker. And, I mean, he just didn't do that. He was always interested in finding new stuff. So when Scream came to him, yeah, you're right. And that, you know, that movie is is so so great. I can watch it yeah. any I was just I watched it this past month along with uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm. We watched Nightmare on Elm Street for the hundredth time, which which works so well. In fact, Nightmare on Elm Street is even is even more potent today when you look at it because. Uh, to, it seems like in many ways, when you go back to some of those films, you're like, "How would this film? How would a PTA group <laughs> react to this film today?" Wow. You know, like it's a more sensitive culture now, and so I mean, some of those films just are like, "Wow, what the hell?" You know, like <laughs> torrents of blood erupt. You know, like just unbelievable. And yeah, uh, yeah.
0: yeah, that's interesting. You know, and, and you know, uh, listeners should should know that you know. Uh, when Nightmare on Elm Street came out, I, I was 12. You were 14, 13, 14, right? 14. Um, 14, yeah. So, you know, it, it's right in that period of time where you're starting to watch those types of movies. And, um, you know, it has, has a deep impact on you, of course. Now, um, I haven't seen it lately. I, and, and, you know, on your um, on your advice right now, maybe I'll go back and watch it, like, in, in, in honor of Wes, it's uh, Wes Netflix. Craven. It's on it is? Oh, it's on Netflix? Yeah, oh, we should all just go watch Nightmare on Elm Street on, on Netflix then. Yeah, the
1: yeah. first is on there. And it's, uh, I it's did not just, know that. It's just so much fun. It's, it's so much fun.
0: Yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll do that. Um, I'll, go, I'll go check that out. Because, you know, I think the world did lose a valuable figure in the, in the film industry. Uh, for sure, in Wes Craven. Last, last month. <laughs> you know this year guess, yeah.
1: you know I'll, I'll, the other thing that's on Netflix is the um, um, sort of Never Sleep Again nine, you know uh, documentary about the entire Friday the 13th franchise excuse me uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and I show portions of that in screenwriting class because mm-hmm. uh, it, you know Wes was somebody who could take us you know we, we have units where we talk about ripped from the headlines you know go, go to the newspaper for your films uh, it's very simple and of course, that's what he did. You know, he read the story about this kid. I think in Korea, China. I recall. I don't recall where. Um, where he, uh, you know, he couldn't go to bed, and and uh, he, he was certain that he was going to die, and his and it was this boogeyman was going to get him in his dreams, and he couldn't sleep, <laughs> and he had this coffee maker behind his, you know, his bookshelf, and he just kept, and no dose tablets, and, oh. and and you know, he just wouldn't. And sure enough, you know, his parents sort of. Uh, made him go to bed. It went on for weeks. And, you know, Wes is reading this and he's like, oh, my God, here we go. I got I got an idea here. <laughs> and and then uh, Bob Shea at New Line says that when they read that script, you know, none of them had read a script or anything like that ever before. You know, they just said it was so universal that we all dream. And, uh, you know, and so what about a, a person who attacks us through our dreams and kills us in there? It's like it's genius. You know, it's just genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's worth it's worth reviewing his films, you know. And I think I think you're right from a screenwriting standpoint, from a direction standpoint. And it's not the it's not a genre I like. It's not a genre I'm drawn to, uh, but I I have great admiration, you know, for him as a, as a creator, as an artist. So, and that's saying something. That's saying a lot, I think.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: yeah. yeah.
1: For you it absolutely is yep. because um, you're not going to just hand that out,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? That's one way to put it. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. You earned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so that's said. Any last words?
1: No, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about that wonderful film and um, and and throw some props to Wes. And I know we'll be back soon to talk about uh, maybe even Woody Allen. We'll see, but uh, certainly uh, some topical stuff. Uh, Will be dropping relatively soon, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, well, if you'd like to uh, support the show, and uh, we know you do, um, one way you can do it is to uh, go to iTunes and leave a review, or if you listen on Stitcher or anywhere else, leave a review. Reviews really help us uh, float to the top of the of the. You know, podcast heap and and make us more uh, discoverable. Um, if you're uh, feeling a little more monetarily generous, uh, we do have a Patreon account. Uh, if you go to Patreon.com/slash That's a Wrap, all one word with a W, um, you'll find a, a cute little picture of me and Chris and Nick with beer in our hands, and uh, <laughs> you can you can uh, join our our other patrons and and um, and contribute a little bit. Um, I. We have a couple of patrons who have contributed per... Per episode, but I keep forgetting to put it on Patreon. So I, I actually haven't charged anybody <laughs> the last two episodes. I keep forgetting. There are two episodes that you know, like our patrons have even paid for because I keep forgetting to put them on there. But but yeah, go ahead and do that. You know, but I can't promise I'll keep forgetting. But we do appreciate <laughs> that the the podcast does cost us a little money um, in in hosting and and um, like for media hosting and stuff and and for time. So we we would appreciate that. Um, and one last way you can support us is to uh go to the that's rap show.com and if you click on any of the amazon links those are uh affiliate links and so say you're going to go buy yourself a new tv on amazon or a book or uh you know car or whatever go- <laughs> please please, please. If, you're, if you're buying a big ticket item especially uh, please go to that's rap show.com click on the amazon link and um and then, and then buy your car or TV, right. and, and we'll get a little kickback from that. It's a good way for you to show your love um, and give us a little kickback without costing you anything extra. So we do appreciate that. Show notes are at That's A Show dot com. Anything we've discussed, we put up there. We do have a Facebook page and a Twitter and, uh, and all that. And on Twitter, I'm Emarsh.
1: And I'm Dr. Schlegel.
0: Yeah, Dr. spelled out D O C T O R. Yep. And uh, the Twitter handle for That's a Rap is Rap Podcast. Um, so there's two P's in the middle Rap Podcast, Rap with a W. We appreciate your ongoing listening and patronage. Uh, and for That's a Rap, I'm Eric Marshall.
1: And I'm Nick Schlegel.
0: And we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Cut. That's a wrap. Are you ready?